She's the pushy broad from the Bronx, New York. Follow her voice, a straight dog is nice. She's the pushy broad from the Bronx, oh yeah. Don't be surprised if you want to listen twice. Make decisions, find the right choice. Know yourself better, find your own voice. It's okay if you need help today, because everybody needs a little push. From the pushy broad from the Bronx, New York. Welcome, Transformation Talk Radio listeners. My name is Ellen Stewart, and I am the pushy broad from the Bronx. Welcome to my show, Recovery Recharged, with my illustrious co-host, Dr. Pat. How you doing, Doc? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good here. Uh, so as you can tell, this is bi-coastal, East Coast, <laughs> West Coast, and every place in the middle. And yes, at this time spot, which is a new time spot, it is still dark out. <laughs> just saying, just, just saying. Uh, usually Jacob has to worry about the sun busting through those windows at the top back there. But today I had to turn my twinkle lights down just for you guys. Yes, and we thought it was an early Christmas in your home. Yeah, so. but, but Pat, there's always a twinkle in your eye for everyone else. So, <laughs> hey. <laughs> On Fantastic. that note, I'm, I'm going to change my glasses. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Oh, my goodness. Well, it's been stunning on the East Coast. Anybody that lives in the Quad State area, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, Pennsylvania, yeah. is enjoying stellar weather. And it's been absolutely wonderful and very, very sunny. So I have had to do the exact opposite and close the shades because there was too much <laughs> sunlight coming in. So there it is. But I am thrilled to be in this time slot with you, Dr. Pat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the morning crew in Seattle, please drive safely. We do this show once a month, Recovery Recharged. This is my third year with you. We're celebrating and we're going to come up um, yeah. in a couple of months on my um, 100th episode with Transformation yeah. Talk Radio Network. So I'm really thrilled about that. Oh, oh wait, 100th? Yes. Oh, hold on. I got to do lipstick for that. Hold on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Me okay, too. now I feel better. <laughs> Me too. Oh, that's funny. Okay. And we have one of my favorite guests on. We've had her several times before. She's been a dear friend of mine. She's exceptionally knowledgeable. And we are, of course, on this show, always talk about something topical. So today's topic is the hot topics in the job market with our career coach, Melanie Mitchell Wexler. So we're going to talk about trends like quiet quitting and how that came after the great resignation and what the job market is like and how and where the opportunities are in 2022 going into 2023. And um, Dr. Pat, you and I run companies and we have employees yep. and it's really very, very important. Also in recovery, the best way to move forward and stay clean and sober is to be actively engaged in a career or a job. So this will be anything. very, very helpful. Yes. Anything. Anything. You know, even if your dream is not to sell hot dogs, like once upon a time, that's what I did. It is gets you off the street, right? It gets you that's doing exactly something. exactly right. 
Yep, that's right. So just to reiterate, Melanie Mitchell Wexler is a uh, certified holistic, well, I'm sorry, she is a career coach. She began in 2017 to help people find meaning and fulfillment in, in their lives and their careers, okay? Her road to owning and launching her own practice wasn't an easy one for her and was a roller coaster year back in 2017, but she pivoted from her own career, overcame her financial and relationship struggles and really started a very successful business. She is our resident expert when it comes to career trends and career coaching. And I'd like to welcome to Transformation Talk Radio Network again, Melanie. How are you, dear? How are you? I'm good. Thank you. I'm excited to be here this morning. Thank you so much. And you're also on the East Coast, so you're enjoying our sunshine, right? Yes, we've got good sunshine. We had, a, you know, rain a couple, uh, I guess a week or so ago. We had a consistent, but, you know, now we've got, um, you know, it's sunny and, um, you know, fall allergies are at its, <laughs> its uh, highest. Glorious and, um, fall weather. <laughs> yes, it is. It's, you know, but it, it's beautiful. And um, and so, yeah, we, we can't be complaining much, so. All right. I want to go right to the heart of it now. I want some really good hot tips, some really nitty gritty stuff. Let's understand our current job market. Let's talk about something that happens right away. Let's go right to it. This big trend, these big words, quiet quitting. What does it mean and how is it happening? So it, of course, much was written about the great resignation, um, but quiet quitting now is an, you know, a new term that's emerged to describe it's basically an increasingly common alternative to just resigning. So quiet quitting is driven by the same underlying factors as actual resignation in some, in some instances, but it just refers to opting out of task beyond one's assigned duty. So instead of people burning, you know, the midnight oil, you know, burning both wicks that I'm coming up with all sorts of, you know, uh, analogies here, burning, you know, the big wicks candle, of the candle at both ends. Yes, there we go. <laughs> like, yeah. what is that saying? Um, you have people that are saying, you know what? Here's my job description. I work nine to five. Come five o'clock, I'm done. And so, when this first came out, um, it was about a couple of months ago when this term started to emerge. I think people thought like people were being lazy, like they were just, you know, sitting at their desk and just not working. And they were just wait, quote unquote, waiting to be fired or something along those lines. But it's really the opposite. I mean, they're still contributing, but they're, they're putting up boundaries and they're saying, you know, I'm not going to give you 110%. You know, I'm going to give you the 100%, but I'm not going to continue to give you that extra percentage. Um, I need to spend time with my family. I need to avoid, I need to have healthy boundaries for my work life and my personal life. And I need to have a personal life. And so you have this trend right now of people just, you know, and some people believe it's just people coasting because I think we've been ingrained. Um, I've commented on this topic quite a lot on LinkedIn in particular, and there's a lot of visceral like reaction to it. And when I first even heard it, I was kind of like, oh, wait a minute. Is this like, you know, like I'm not, you know, I'm not working hard or I'm not. And then I realized that was my own um, 
you know, my own belief of like what had been instilled in me of like, nope, you got to put in the extra hours. You got to work extra time. When you get home, you got to pull up the laptop and do those emails. Um, you got to, you know, you got to do all these things. And I realized that was the only, that was my own, you know, in kind of bias towards it. And then once I started to really educate myself on what was really happening, it's really people putting up healthy boundaries and saying, you know what, I'm not going to give you you know, 60 hours of my 40 hour, you know, of a 40 hour work week. That's not what I'm being paid for. Okay. All right. We're going to go into this. And Dr. Pat, before I ask you how you feel about this, I do want to tell everybody out there that quiet quitting is kind of like having a moment. Okay. And what Melanie said is true. The trend of employees choosing to not go above and beyond their jobs in ways that include refusing to answer emails during evenings or weekends or skipping extra assignments that fall outside their core duties. And it's catching on, especially according to these articles, among Gen Zs. It was originated by Zaid Khan, a 24-year-old engineer from New York, who popularized this, tre- popularized this trend with a viral TikTok video in July. And he basically said what Melanie has said, you're still performing your duties, but you are no longer subscribing to the hustle culture. Okay, Pat, Dr. Pat, you and I lived in the hustle culture, right? For like 4,500 years, right? No, yeah. What do you think? I'll tell you what I think. Uh, First of all, um, this is so much of a topic that when we went through the great downsizing and let me just let me just give people a year prior to 1990 downsizing didn't exist so i just want to say and if it did it wasn't called that but exxon came out of the gate and they said oh we're just going to get rid of a whole bunch of people the next biggest company to follow was at&t and i was part of that back in the day they gave you a year's severance they treated it okay That is no longer the case. So off I went to study this because I was one of those people. Um, It was so inhumane that I just offered up my headcount. I was six months away from a full pension. And here we are today. What do I like about the term quiet quitting? I like the concept. What don't I like about it? It is a misuse of the concept. Nobody's quitting. It did an entire generation injustice. And now we've got to try to set this straight. And this show is doing it. You know, when we talk about people and we use the way quitting, there is no quitting in these folks. And I think that's really why we're doing the show today. We have labeled multiple generations, whether it's Z, X, Y, P, it doesn't matter. The fact that you want to label them as quietly quitting is, is a misnomer. So I'm actually writing an article because here's what this is about. They have leveled the playing field. Got it? The the violation of psychological contracts has been in gear since 1990. The effects of them are devastating. Nobody's paying attention to what COVID did to people. And we're forgetting that these folks have responsibilities now that they never did, right? It's not once upon a time, every day, you wake up and you don't know if your kid's going to be sent home from school. You're going to be sent home from your workplace. So what have they done? What is this? What they've done is they said, look, this is called balance, right? 
if you're you exactly right, me, right. If you want me to answer my phone at three in the morning, hello, let's talk yes, money. Yes, <laughs> right. I, yes, yes, yes. And, and Melanie is exactly right, too. And I think you hit the nail on the head. I think they should change the term of quiet quitting and we should try to invent some term for that because just because you were not married to your work in the same way as before. And, and Melanie, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that, that, um, that most people now are choosing good mental health, especially based on what we have gone through before. The all kinds of the reflection that we've been able to do during COVID by spending more time at home, by stepping back and saying what's really important, okay? So, so how did we measure this? How do we know this term came about? What are people doing to make this happen? Well, I think they're, they are in essentially even what Pat said um, is really putting in those boundaries of really being able to say, okay, come five o'clock, I'm not taking on, you know, I'm not taking on extra assignments. I'm not responding to emails. I'm not, you know, it's still, I'm going to still be a good employee, but it's not doing, it's not taking on that extra. And I agree that I think that the term is doesn't do this justice and what's happening um it's a matter of really evaluating okay here's what you say my job is and this is what i'm going to do but when you ask me to take on an extra project um i'm going to truthfully evaluate how much time commitment that is That's you know right. how much um extra do i need to produce to accomplish that and if it's above that 40 hour mark we're going to, you know, I'm not going to probably do it. That's kind of the mentality. And, you know, the reality is I have a 27 year old son gainfully employed. Um, and, you know, it's so funny because him and I have very different, he, he's a very hard worker. I mean, he works, he paid off his student loans in three years, um, even before, right. As you know, the uh, pandemic was happening. But he was also working three or four jobs, and now he doesn't have to do that. You know, I just talked to him the other day because he didn't respond to a text message last or on Friday last Friday, and he said, "Mom, when?" Because his weekends Friday, Saturday, where he he runs a office location in D.C., and he said, "Mom, I turn off my cell phone because the parents call me uh, over the weekend for their students because he does a tutoring um, place, and so he goes, I turn off my cell phone." And I don't respond to their calls until I'm back on the clock. And I was like, okay, what if your parents need you? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, what if your parents need you? Not, I was like, what? I was like, we got to come up with something a little bit. I was like, your parents. But you're need right. You. He, he exercised his boundaries, right? And he did. He established. And I realized, you know, he's the child that really pushes like he has always pushed me in my buttons in different ways because we're very similar, but yet um, the way he does things is very different than what I've done. And, you know, and he, like I said, I couldn't be more proud of him. Like the fact is he has paid off all of his student loans. He literally has barely ever asked for a dime from his father or I at any given point. He worked three or four jobs at one point. Um, and, you know, he's, he has really worked hard because he has a goal. He has a goal of I'm going to retire hopefully early. I mean, he's already, he's 27, but he's already talking about retirement, you know, and he's already like thinking in these terms. And I think, you know, and I realize that he's like the example of what's happening. What is the difference between his generation and my generation? 
I didn't think like that. I was 27 and, you know, I had, of course I had him uh, by then and, but I wasn't thinking of retirement. I wasn't thinking, you know, um, I just did what I was told at work. I didn't, you know, think about like, oh, you know, not that, well, I guess we did have cell phones, but you know, not that I wouldn't take a call, but I did work like that. I worked where I got home, got the kids to bed, and then I responded to emails or I did some extra work. And that is still a little, you know, that's a mentality that's ingrained in me. And it's not necessarily the healthiest mentality. It was also part of our mentality too, I think, Dr. Pat, that whatever the boss said you were going to do and you were going to spend all those hours there. I mean, didn't we come from that kind of work aspect? Yeah, but it was different. So let's just be very clear about what happened in 1990 and Robert Reich said it best. So you and I, honestly, we used to joke. I worked for the formerly known, I was going to say Prince, formerly known as, but I, I, I worked for, and it is true, I worked for, um, let's just call it the phone company. AT&T was a massive organization. You know, you can't even count what their budget was. Their arms reached out everywhere. But here's the difference, ladies. Back in the day, if you worked hard, what did you get? You got three things. You got a sense of identity and family from a company that would get you the t-shirt. Number two, most companies treated people fairly well, everything from certifications to training programs like me. I was able to go to school, took me 13 years to get my undergraduate degree, but I was able to do that. And I was supported to even go on further. Even after I left, I stuck my tuition for my master's in front of my boss while she was firing me. But here's the difference. Here's point number three. We worked like that because somebody told us at the end of the rainbow, there would be a pot of gold called retirement, full medical. That's why we did it. It wasn't Pen as simple. Pension. 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 Yep. Yes. Now, plus the 401k, the 405k, the all the k's. Now, that went away almost immediately from 1990 to 1993. So can you see the imbalance? And, and you know, hello, how many decades has it taken for somebody to say, oopsie, let's level the playing field? Exactly. But it took a pandemic for this to happen. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it really did because the great recession, the great resignation rather in the past year from 21 to 22, it was like a million people quit their jobs. And now people have understood that maybe they can't afford to quit their jobs, but they can afford to have a life. And they can afford to balance things out. And I think this also came from the fact that when more people work from home and more people understand that their personal life can really be a very big part of their life, then work can be balanced out and be just that work and not their whole life. And that's something that, that I was raised where your career was everything, your trade was everything. That's what you are. That's who your identity was. And I think people are now realizing that their identity doesn't stem from what they do, but from who they are. Yeah, and it's, 
right? Don't you think so? And and statistically, we're in a situation now where we're we're in a recession, and we have one of the lowest unemployment rates in recent years, certainly since the pandemic. And it, it rose in August to three point seven percent, the highest since February. But still, lots of people are holding on to their jobs, just doing them differently. So. Do me a favor, Melanie, talk to us about how this post-pandemic workplace culture has significantly changed. What are companies doing? Are they returning to old habits or are they embracing new ones? Well, I unfortunately, I feel like on the horizon, we have companies returning to the old habits or trying to return to the old habits. We're now hearing about, um, you know, pushing to have people come back to the office full time. Um, we are hearing more about, um, you know, keeping a quote unquote, the big brother mentality of monitoring people's work, um, you know, monitoring uh, keystrokes on their computer, or, you know, monitoring their computers, which, you know, in some cases are already has been, you know, happening, but more in an invasive thing. And now you have this push and pull struggle of like, well, yes, I need to work. I need job. I need a job. I need employment. I need income. But I'm not willing to go into a Big Brother type of setting and have you because you don't trust me. You know, like where is that trust factor that you will trust that I will do the job at my best of my ability and I will give you that. Um, but I don't want a babysitter. I don't need a babysitter as an adult. I need you to trust me as an employer. And so we do have this, you know, power struggle happening. And I think what we're seeing in this market, it, it's like no other market, you know, that we've ever seen. I've gone through two, in employment-wise, I've gone through two recessions, um, you know, in my career. And then, of course, this pandemic. And typically in reset, you know, we're hearing about the talk of recession. We are seeing layoffs. We are seeing downsizing. We're, we are seeing all of that happening, but yet we have an extremely low unemployment rate. And so I think there's this world of like nobody, even the best of the experts, and I'm not an economist. I just, you know, as a recruiter for over 20 years, I had to understand what was happening with the job market and what that, what those rates kind of meant. Um, but what we're seeing is we've never had that, you know, we don't usually talk about a recession with low unemployment rate. Usually that we, those two words don't go hand in hand. And so I don't even know if the experts know what's happening. <laughs> I don't even know, you know, the Fed was supposedly kind of happy that the, the you know, the rate um, went up a little bit in August because there's belief that the, you know, the job, the wages is caught, you know, supposedly causing the inflation. I don't necessarily buy that per se um, as the direct, you know, I think there's a lot of other causes for reason we're seeing inflation, but um, I think you've just got all these different, you know, aspects of swirling around and nobody really knows what's going to happen. I, I don't truthfully, you know, because you don't say we've got a 3% unemployment rate and go, oh, but we're in a recession. That doesn't, you know, that usually if you have a low em, em, unemployment rate, you have a great economy. That's typically what happens. And so I don't know if anybody, even the experts know what's happening. But unfortunately, companies, though, are trying to go back to the norm. And I think that's why we continue to see millions of jobs still open, because people yeah. are not willing to do that. 
And they're now instituting this quiet quitting because I yeah. think, look, Dr. Pat and I own businesses. We've been doing this for a while, but Dr. Pat and I are rather independent, rather free thinking, rather free spirited. We have the we have our eye on the pulse of what's happening. But would you agree, Dr. Pat, that some of the other company owners that are our age or a little bit younger, the generations that under that that think that you have to work by going into an office and 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 showing up and being there and being monitored you think maybe those companies don't know how to assimilate to new trends dr pat what do you think and what are you doing with your own company i'll tell you i i think you have to look at the organization first of all i don't want the people making my airplane down the road here at boeing from me i don't want them trying to screw that bolt on from home now, <laughs> I think you have to look at the industry and yeah. I think you have to look at what's required because we're not just talking about individuals. If you are like today, I'm working from home for a very good reason. I have a studio here, but if you looked at my calendar, it started at six this morning. I get a 15 minute break at noon and then I kick up at one and there's, there's reasons for it. However, we haven't learned how to transition. So there are two things I think that are causing us a problem. I'm going to go to it really quickly. You cannot have our government say COVID is over. I just wrote a letter this morning to Patty Murray, our senator here, and I just laid it out for her. And I said, you never answer my emails. None of you do. It's okay, but I'm not going to start stop talking to you. And I said, COVID is over. And then I just bullet pointed it. COVID is over, but yet you continue to charge small businesses all over the country, EIDL loan interest, and now threatening letters for us to pay in November. And yet you're talking about forgiving student loans. Wow. Okay, people, why don't you think about giving us some relief? And I go down my list. It's a very factual list, but that's not really the problem. Every day, there's a new threat. 87, a study came out. 87% of the people in the study said, every day it's a crisis. What is the latest? 97,000 IRS auditors being hired, like in my state, to audit people 75,000 or less. Why, why would people want to give more? Every day, their livelihood is threatened. Where is the balance of the psychological contract, ladies? There is no balance. And I think yeah. that's a problem. And I think you hit the hit the nail on the head with the key word psychological. Okay. Because yeah. in, in, in these terms and what's happening here with both of you understand that psychology has little to do with this. Mm -hmm. And that's the damn shame. Okay. Yeah. Well, let that's me answer your question about my company. COVID, not only is it not over, but if you have a small business and pick your own poison with defining that every day you walk into work and there may be somebody that doesn't come in does everybody understand the impact how many studies have we done on people that are absent from the workplace and what happens it's not their fault but every day there's a scenario i'm either not coming in or i went to an event and now i was exposed i mean come on every day we're juggling now can you imagine being us live studio production where we got to say, Jacob, you got to do four more jobs, four more shows. I mean, can you imagine? But now put yourself in, let's say, the industry of, of hospitality. 
what the heck do you do? That's exactly right. And that's an industry I came from. So I know exactly how you feel. And I completely understand that. But I really do think that a lot of the people out there that own independent businesses and that own tried and true companies are older, they're a little bit, they're a little bit more mature in age, and they are still stuck back in the 80s and 90s in their head in their thinking. And that is not going to help them. And that's why they're going to get a big turnover. And that's why the people that they that work for them are going to turn around and say, I'm not doing any more. You want me to be here, you need to pay me for it. So I think we should take a short break because we're at the half and we're going to talk about a couple of other things when we come back. Melanie is going to talk to us about what jobs are actually available on the horizon, where people should start to look and how they should start to look in this still pandemic era, but into 22 and 23. Okay, Dr. Pat, are we good? Uh, Let's do it. Are you looking for a way to break old habits that are holding you back from reaching your true potential and living the life you deserve? Well, look no further than Dr. Loretta Billups. She is a clinician and a relationship and mental health coach that will assist you with reaching your purpose. She will hold you accountable so that your desires are now a reality. Connect with Dr. B at cultivatingyourlife.com and find your path today. That's cultivatingyourlife.com. In body, in power, in soul. Activate the spirit within you in deep conversations of power, faith, grace, love, and forgiveness. On Soul Inspired Reflections, Ascension, a humble awakening of the heart. Join me, your host, Gina Libido, every second Wednesday at 10 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. And find that even the chaos of your world makes sense and has meaning and purpose. Make a choice, be inspired, take action. For more information, go to soulinspired.org. That's soul-inspired.org. It is time to get inspired to take action in your life. Tune in to Emotional Elevation with me, Susan Denae. We are identifying, understanding, and treating our crazy one episode at a time. We all have crazy in our lives. The thing that sets us apart is how we deal with it. And I've got you covered. Enjoy your journey. You are worth it. Visit SusanDenae.com. That's D-E-N-E-E.com. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. Pat. I'm the host of the Dr. Pat Show, and I am the creator of the Transformation Network, doing what we do in the world of positive radio, informed, educated, positive media. Independent radio hosts and independent networks have been the face of positive messaging over the past decade. So all of us here have decided we're going to put together an independent network that is going to enable people to bring their positive message of hope, inspiration, and conscious action to the forefront. Help us create a future of amazing, uplifting stories that can be told so we can tell our children and they can tell their children of what hope and conscious action is all about. I want to thank you all for tuning us in, turning us on on TransformationTalkRadio.com. What if you could enter a sacred vortex of love and beauty infused with the power of the earth and ascended masters? Join myself, Dr. Georgia Herrera and Dr. Sharon Martin in the the Sacred Sacred Magic Magic Show. Bring in the mystical and sacred for healing, airing every third Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. You too can have your health and life challenges melt away. 
Join now and feel your heart open up to the answers to your most important questions. Welcome back, Transformation Talk Radio listeners. I'm Ellen Stewart. I'm the pushy broad from the Bronx. Welcome back to my show, Recovery Recharged, with my wonderful co-host, Dr. Pat, and our special guest today, career coach, Melanie Wexler. Melanie, we were talking about um, at the job situation and something uh, we were talking about during the break that I want Dr. Pat to uh, talk to you about, and that is a situation where employees Employees were um, not working, and then they tried to go back to work, and situations are now occurring that are very different from anything we've ever seen. So, Pat, why don't you give that example to us, and then Melanie can comment on it. Yeah, and before we do that, Melanie, I wanted you to take a moment for people to get to know you up close and personal. Tell tell everyone how they can find out more about you, about your organization, and there's a reason you're sitting here on this panel today. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. Yes, so you can... Can, um, find me, of course, on LinkedIn, but you can also check out my website, which is findsucceedachieve.com. Um, you can connect with me directly there as well. And yeah, I took, you know, 20 years. Um, I spent 20 years as a recruiter. I went through my own career change. Uh, coaching actually wasn't the plan. Um, that was actually, I was going to go into corporate recruiting. That was the plan. Took um, took a course and uh, took a couple of courses in coaching. Started doing it part-time, honestly, to earn some extra income. And it just grew from there. And it really, it was something that I found that I really, truly loved. I never had this idea that I was going to be this entrepreneur or have my own business. I was, I never, like, that was never a goal for me. Um, And then it has just slowly developed and I'm continuing to grow and continuing to learn. And, and I think that one of the things that I can relate well to with my clients is, you know, having gone through seeing what's on both sides of that fence, both personally, as well as professionally. And, Um, just continuing to try to assist people to really identify what are your goals? What do you really want? And being able to help them through that process. Yeah. And thank you. Your appointments are virtual, correct? So you can take clients from everywhere. Yes. I work with clients throughout the entire United States. I work with individuals um, just like I did, honestly, with my recruiting career um, at different, you know, periods of time. I worked through, I work with throughout the United States. I work with individuals that come from all different industries and professions, as well as um, college graduates to C-level executives. So, um, and that's, um, some coaches are very specific, you know, specific. My recruiting career wasn't a specific field per se. I've recruited in a lot of different areas. So I just applied that to my coaching career. And so it's findsucceedachieve.com. And just talk to us a little bit briefly about your passion, and that's Hearts for Honduras. So tell us about it. Yeah. So back in 2015, I went on a mission trip, my very first mission trip. Didn't didn't know what I was getting involved in. I just was like, oh, that sounds interesting. And I I went on there. Um, On that trip, I... um, ultimately met my, who would become my best friend. And we um, both left that trip dramatically impacted. We've um, been sponsoring um, uh, several little girls throughout that period of time. We partner with the church. And then as the years went on, we decided to um, start our own nonprofit and with our own, because we'd been a part of another organization at that time. But we were the ones organizing the trips. We were the ones that had kind of a direct 
you know, passion to really partner with this church, but also help with their educational center. So we work with uh, the church down there. And then um, it's in a small town, Southern town in uh, Chalateca, uh, Honduras. And we work in a village called Limon. And um, I, we have families that we sponsor. We just went on our first trip post pandemic. Um, we hadn't been able to go in two years and we had an amazing, just uh, truly an amazing impactful time having not been there, but we're increasing the sponsorships of the kids. Our goal is to help them get a hundred kids sponsored because for every child that's sponsored, they provide uh, two hot meals. They provide resources for healthcare and education. And, and it's a safe space for them to be in. Um, education and healthcare are very different um, than what we're used to here in the United States. And so it's also something I get to do with my daughter and who's also sponsors a child on her own. Um, you know, she covers that on her own completely. Even my ex-husband now is sponsoring a child. So, so um, how do we do that? Give us the website to do that. Yeah. So actually, if you go ahead and contact me, um, just contact me personally. You can contact me, honestly, through my website. I do have a link for the Hearts for Honduras, but we are in the process of updating our own website. But I can get you. I'm actually the one that will connect you with the details um, of how you, if you're interested in helping be a sponsor for a child, I will help coordinate that with the church and bring all the parties together. So um, we're, we're in the process of definitely, we, we got our official nonprofit right as the pandemic started. So we kind of put things on hold because we were like, okay, what do we do? Where do we go with this now that the pandemic is happening? So now that we've kind of gotten through that, we've got our first trip back under our belts. We're really uh, gearing up to, and even my best friend texted this morning, like we have to have a meeting about our uh, next year's planning. Um, so we're gearing up for that. So just if you're interested or want to know more of how you can help and, you know, can please just connect with me. I'm more than happy to um, talk with you about that. And again, that's findsucceedachieve.com. Okay. Yes. All right. So moving forward, let's talk about what's happening here and the situation with the Midwest company and with all 40 employees yeah. going back to work or not going back to work. Yeah. Tell us what you know about that, Dr. Yeah. Pat. Well, I want to divide it into two pieces. I want to divide it into the piece of, uh, I don't care what you call it. You can call it a psychological contract. You can call it exchange theory. It is as old as the very first day somebody traded a stone for a piece of food. It is exchange. Here's the thing, two parts, let's go. One is my value associated with your company. But I gotta tell you, my research said there's something even more important. And that is my relationship with my first in command, my supervisor. Nobody had ever studied supervisor up until my own personal experience in the workplace. I said, why aren't we studying these things between two people? But here's what we're talking about. This was so dominant in a part of my research. One is, I'm not going to do it because you, the company, are dot, dot, dot. The next one is, I'm not going to do it because you, my immediate supervisor, dot, dot, dot. So let's take the company one. And that is the first incident of hotel doors opening, thinking everybody's going to rush back. We're going to get all the rooms clean. What happened, Melanie, right? 
Well, what happened was they, they had 40 employees at this particular hotel was out in the Midwest. I want to say it was Illinois, but I could be wrong. Maybe Missouri. But um, when it came time, they said, okay, everybody can come back. They had not one single employee came, came back. Not they, the employees said, nope, sorry. And there was a lot of reasons why, yep. um, you know, pay. But they also felt like that it wasn't safe yet. They felt like it was too early and um, the pandemic is in having been from the Midwest and actually being in the during the pandemic in the Midwest, as well as on the East Coast, there were definitely how people responded to that is definitely very different. Um, I saw it firsthand. And um, and so, yeah, you had employees that just said, no, nope, sorry, we're not all coming back. And it left this hotel organization not unsure of what to do because their response was okay you can come back and they and i think it's it's a it's a story that reflects what's happening in the job market is that employers are left going okay this is the response and oh wait a minute you didn't do what we said i don't know what to do because we don't have a backup plan we can't so what happened how was it rectified Ultimately, what that situation was is they ended up increasing the pay for um, all of the employees to bring the employees back. I would also say that night, but I will be very honest with you, pay is a part of it, absolutely, especially when it comes to the hospitality right. industry. But pay is also a Band-Aid. Yeah. Pay is a Band-Aid. And it's not, and while that may have been a lucrative, probably very, you know, like, okay, yeah, we've, you know, not had income jobs are, you know, in the hospitality, who knows what's going to happen. Um, but pay is not an absolute guarantee that that's going to fix mm -hmm. the solution. Right. And I think a lot of companies, that's also one of the reasons we still see people with the, we see still see a large number of jobs open is because mm -hmm. companies have said, oh, well, we'll just increase the pay. That mm -hmm. doesn't fix the problem. It's a yeah. bandaid for a, a bigger issue. Yeah, well, look, the underpinning, uh, the underpinning issues to that case study are this. The company went and found out what would bring you back. See, we're not talking about that. You see, the company just didn't say randomly, let's slap some money on them. They sure. actually went and found out what would bring you back. There was some kind of conversation or conversations that had to happen with these people to find out what, what's your pain point. Can we listen to you? Right. I mean, you're right about this. Money is like not a motivator uh, in a lot of cases. But when you ask somebody, what would it take for you to come back? You're important to me. Now, what do you do on the emotional side? But now let's take the one on one side, because this is real to me. This is the core of the issue with what we're calling quiet quitting. And I want you guys to, to comment on it. Yeah. I think that what you're also seeing, and I think your point is definitely, it's a great point in the sense that they did have conversations and, you know, for those individuals that, you know, was one of the things to reconcile how to come back. But I think that's what we're lacking in terms of the one-on-one -on -one specifically. We're not seeing that. We're still seeing this hierarchy of, the CEO and the VPs up here. And then we have the employees down here. And then you have this, you have the middle management that is stuck, truly stuck in the middle. Yeah. I um, call them muddle in the middle. Yes. Because <laughs> muddle in the middle. That, you know, honestly, they are. That's Jessica. That's poor Jessica. <laughs> muddle in the middle. 
<laughs> but yeah, you've got these people that are just like, they are stuck because it's, you know, they're like, well, we have to push down the commands from above, but we kind of feel the same way about the people down here. Yeah. We feel that way about our jobs. Yeah. And so you have, I really truly believe there's, you know, some companies are, have been remote for quite some time and they totally get it. And so they did not see a disruption because they've already done the research. Um, what companies really have to start to do is invest in the idea of remote or hybrid working when it's applicable. I mean, we talked about the Boeing manufacturing, obviously when we have manufacturing, we, you know, we need the people to be in the, in, in the, in a safe space. We need, you know, proper conditions, but again, that goes to, again, why some of those people are not coming back. Mm -hmm. Hey, you haven't heard us. You aren't providing us a safe space. You aren't providing us the right type of income. We haven't seen mm -hmm. an increase in our salaries. And so you have all these factors just left and right. And I think one of the issues that we're seeing and the reason we're not seeing any movement when it comes to the hiring landscape per se, is that people don't know where to begin. Yeah. The, the hiring managers simply don't know where to begin. They've yeah. not been equipped with the right tools to know what to do. And I, I think this. they should, I think they should be equipped with um, psychological coaches. I Bo think boom, career coaches. Boom, yes, boom. absolutely. Boom. That's yeah. what they need. Well, and here it's to your point, Ellen. So my own experience with downsizing and loss led me to study this, but here's what I'm getting ready to publish. I'm getting ready to write an article and perhaps I'll pull an excerpt for this show and put it in the show. There are two things that we talk about when we study this in role and out of role. And what this, what my study found and all of the researchers that have cited me afterwards that, you know, there are some people that are never going to alter their performance. They are dedicated beyond dedicated. They're never going to be like quiet anything, right? But this is what we find when we're talking about breaking promises, because that's what psychological contracts are. The bottom line with that is exactly what you started the show with, Ellen and Melanie. It's exactly this. There is what we call attracting and retaining employees, right, who are looking at their, what, how am I being treated in my job as my job description, right? There's that. But the part we're talking about that this quiet quitting seems to address is this, these, what they call OCBs, organizational citizenship behavior. Can you believe it has a name? Hello. Like it actually has like a <laughs> construct. And there's, and so here's what, what I learned from this, right? They're altruistic helping a colleague, right? This is what we're talking about, aren't we? With the quiet quitting thing that we're talking about, courtesy gestures, consideration of others, and then there's sports personship, engaging, and then there's virtue, responsibility, there's going beyond conscientiousness, right? This is really what the whole quiet quitting thing is about. But here's the punchline. My study and every study after this between an employee and a manager says the same. Bottom line, when you violate psychological contracts, these voluntary actions that benefit you, an employee, they are out the door. Yep. There you go. They're the first things to go. And so you have to ask yourself, why are we even talking about quiet quitting? Well, underneath this has got to be a whole lot of stuff that must be going on beyond you and the company 
with your immediate boss, one that makes you feel like no matter how hard you work, you are not going to get respect. Exactly. Simplifying though. I'm simplifying. There are so many examples. Look, I, I, I speak to clients all the time that are in recovery, that are going back to a job that they haven't been for a while. They were in rehab for a long time. They're returning or they're in a situation where they're clean and sober for the first time and they're really enter, entering into the world. I find that the younger the company, okay, where people in the company and the owners of the companies are in their 30s and 40s, their outlook towards their employees are is exceptionally different than those that have older outlooks. I, I, I can't, and you know, I, uh, it, it's a hard thing, but it comes from a hard line. We were always taught that we don't bring our personal life, our personal thoughts, our personal yep. actions to the workplace, okay? But this new culture, this quiet quitting is glory, hallelujah. I'm entitled to have feelings and you're entitled to listen to my feelings so that I can produce the most for you by you understanding and respecting me. And that's exactly what you're saying, Dr. Pat. And I really think that this is what we need. Every single company needs to learn that it is it's in their best interests to make sure that the employee is not only capable doing their job logistically, but fully capable and yeah. fully appreciative mentally and psychologically. Yeah. And Let that me makes a good company. Yeah. I'm going to just get cut to the chase with you too. I want to just tell you this. Here's the punchline. This is what comes out of the research that out of the gate, reducing what they call extra role behaviors, right? Okay. Isn't that what we're talking about? The quiet quitting. Yep. I got extra role. Okay. It is expected to be the first actions employees take in an attempt to equalize the imbalance in the exchange relationship. It's the first. This research said it, mine said it, Park said it, and then following a violation. Now, what's a contract violation? It could be anything. It could be how dare you stay home this morning, right? Oh, but you let me stay home two, three years ago to get your day work done. But here's what they say. It's not only this, but I'm going to read you exactly this. Following contract violation by an employer, OCBs may be withdrawn in conjunction with drastic, drastic decreases in the level of trust in the employer or the leader. They're influenced by the degree of trust and commit. This is empirical research I'm reading for you. This is not. And may I stop and say, thank you, Boeing Union, for allowing me to work with you to do this research. Mm -hmm. This in postdoctorate. And I got to tell you, it goes on and on and on. But trust is fundamental in any social exchange theory. Yep. And if you bust that up, we should do a whole show on trust, ladies. Exactly. I mean, we can certainly do that. And I will put that on the calendar to do for sure, because trust and recovery is everything. Yep. And this is what this is all about. So let's, since we have the next five minutes, I want Melanie to talk specifically to, okay, so if the world is changing out there and, and it's still trying to go back to old things and we're trying to fit new things in here, where do people look? What's happening now? Who is hiring? What's going on? Give us the dirt. <laughs> so the reality is there is so many companies hiring, honestly, um, even though we saw a retraction in the, in the numbers, um, those were August numbers um, that just came out. We're still seeing companies of every single industry. We're probably seeing more in that middle management, that middle um, level employee. We're seeing a lot of openings in that area. Um, 
I'm finding more people not wanting to climb, quote unquote, climb the corporate ladder. So we're seeing a lot of senior level positions. So there is kind of a gap right now. I think we're seeing a lot of senior level positions, but we're also seeing a lot of entry level positions. Um, we're still seeing opportunities drastically in the hospitality section. Um, it's cut, you know, honestly, this market covers from A to Z in terms of what is out there. So um, it is still an employee driven market from salaries to, you know, expectations, what you can negotiate for. Um, and so it, it really is still a prime time to continue to be able to look and examine your opportunities. I have clients right now that are examining, am I getting paid what my value is worth, you know, out there in the market? I have people that don't want that senior level position because they're not interested in climbing the corporate ladder. Um, so we are still seeing a vast market right now in terms of opportunities. So it really, um, you know, it really is for an employee right now to, you know, examine what they're looking for. And it is most likely out there. If you can leave us with something today that we want to take away with before you come back to talk to us about new trends in 23, what would you have us know? Today? I will tell you. The biggest thing that I will tell you, and I tell people all this the time, it is not enough anymore in this market, though, to just apply for a job and hope for the best. You have to be networking. You have to be connecting with people, not just in your network. Tell them what's happening in your life. Share with what your network with what you're looking for. Have them be working for you. Um, but don't be afraid to reach out to the recruiters, to the hiring managers, to the decision makers in these organizations. Let them know that you're interested in a position or in, interested in their company. Um, you have to do the networking piece more so than ever nowadays. Recruiters are increasingly overwhelmed. Um, they have multiple requisitions. They're just simply not enough time in the day to get to every quote unquote, every resume that applies for a job. So you have to start to network. That has to be part of your job search plan. And tell us again where we can find you so that we can hire you. Yeah. So you can connect with me, Melanie Mitchell Wexler on LinkedIn. Of course, you can also check out my website, findsucceedachieve.com. Fantastic. This has been a wonderful time together. Thank you so much. You're always very informative. Dr. Pat, your articles are very interesting. Yeah, they want me to, one, write a book. You know how hard it is for me to go back to this research? 1,200 pages of interview notes of people that have felt betrayed. And do you want to know the punchline, Melanie? I think you said it, and Ellen, you said it. Whatever that research showed, it is eternal. Those outcomes, that research has not changed. I don't care how many years, you could apply it and overlay it. Um, but I'm a little bit like they want me to change the name of my book. I'm not going to change it. It's called Broken Promises. I don't know how to sugarcoat that, ladies. If you figure out how to do that, <laughs> email me. <laughs> I think it's people like us, Dr. Pat, that come from the older generation that are more open and more willing to make adjustments. And I think that's part of yeah. where we stand to spread the word. I had it's to learn, Ellen. <laughs> yeah. I mean, myself, Jessica and Linda, we just hired four new producers. If you don't think we went through a learning process within ourselves and how to interview these folks and what to ask them, and then went back and they gave them something else to do, it was a two-month process, Melanie. So thank you. And I got to tell you, the four people we hired, 
They emailed us. They pinged us. One of them just every day. How are we doing? Yeah. I'm, I'm not kidding. Help people, Melanie. Help them. Yep. Thank you so much. What happens okay. when we'll take you to get hired? <laughs> uh, and whatever Take you do, out, Pat. whatever you do, don't unfriend your potential employer. Don't, don't do that. Whatever that language is. Um, Ellen, thank you so much. This is an important topic. Melanie, thank you. I want to thank, thank Jacob you. and Benny. And I want to thank the listeners. This is one of the topics you all wanted to hear more about. Go get some help around this. Please, there is a way to go about this and still have an amazing job and an amazing life. This is Ellen Stewart, the pushy broad from the Bronx, saying thanks for listening. And remember, everybody needs a little push. From the pushy broad from the Bronx, New York.